you imagine, you know, a uh, $100 bill in your hand, if, if you're holding on to it with a tight fist, it's hard for anybody to put any more money into your hand. But if you're holding it with an open hand, and you, you're not worried about it going somewhere else or blessing somebody else with it, now your hand is open. And, you know, they're, they're, you can't even count how much money could fall into your hand when it's open like that. But with a tight fist, you're, you're not going to get any more. Um, so that's the illustration that's just always stuck with me. You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 224. Clark, what's going on? How's it going on in your world? Dude, going pretty well. What's going on with you? And we are uh, experiencing some abnormally odd winter weather all of a sudden right now. So uh, we're hunkering down, <laughs> man. This is February every year in Texas. We've kind of yeah, had this. Uh, Texas last year. Yeah. What, what month was it last year when you had February, the crazy man. pipe, the, the pipes leaking and everything? Yeah, when was February. that last year? Was that, that was February? Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. The, the ironic thing about this whole deal, and I may have shared this before, but you know, we moved here, I don't know, what, seven years ago or something. When we first moved here. It, it, Austin wasn't what Austin is now, but we're talking to some of the people who were kind of locals. Which is hard to find now that people grew up here and whatnot, but they're like, oh, it never snows here. It never gets super cold. Like we see s- snow once every 10 years. And here we are, man. It has snowed every single time that we've been here and it keeps getting worse every year. <laughs> Hopefully we don't have a repeat of last year, though. That was nuts. Yeah, that was pretty bad. There was a lot of damage. Yeah. So, yeah. Hopefully not again. So we got an interesting uh, email this week from Chloe who was on episode 164. So at the time she was interviewed, she had a net worth of 640,000. We titled that episode, Female Nurse Who Rents. And so I just want to read from her an email. It's a little bit of an update on what's going on in her life. So again, this is Chloe from episode 164. She writes, hey, Jason Clark, I was interviewed back in August 2020 with only about a $600,000 net worth. I questioned my qualifications for the podcast, but you assured me that I was well on my way to a million and that I would have something to contribute to the community. Unsurprisingly, you were right well before I knew it. My husband and I reached one million around mid-2021. So again, she was at 600 in August of 2020, one million mid-2021, about one year later at the age of 34. I was unaware of my gains on Tesla, but you told me I should check them out because I most likely had a nice gain on my 16 shares. True to your word, I did. I had bought those 16 shares when they were just $40 each, so about a $16,000 gain on my original investment. The point is this. Save religiously in index funds and don't check it. Don't touch it, and even if you hardly know what's going on in the markets, you should still come out ahead because the market goes up 75% of the time on average. My ignorance is paying off. Thanks for having me on. I didn't know about how, I didn't know about you guys prior to being interviewed, but you are now my absolute favorite podcast to listen to and be inspired by. I have listened to your entire back catalog. Keep up the good work, Chloe. Episode one sixty four. So I just wanted to read that. I thought it was interesting that she had, you know, net worth had grown four hundred thousand in about a year since being on the show. And then also just her point, right? And she says, the point is this, save religiously and don't touch it. Even if you know what's going on in the markets, you'll still come out ahead of the time, uh, 75% of the time. So, I mean, that's the story, especially, Jace, what, these last uh, 12 years now, right, that, that we've been on this bull market tear. So that's been the story. If you put money into the markets and saved, like she said, and just stuck to it, you made a lot of money. Yeah, no, it's true. And I think, 
I think even those people that continued, you know, you look back, you know, one of the things that, that, that we specifically wanted to accomplish with this podcast is, is seeing what happens to portfolios and mindset psychology when we do have market downturns. And we haven't had too significant of, of any market downturns since we've been doing this. We have had, you know, we went through kind of the, the early COVID days of early 2020. We've had different months that have pulled back, but nothing significant like 08, right? But I think if we go back to some of those investors that, you know, we talked to that have had portfolios 20 and 30 year, you know, long periods, they continue to invest through those downturns, you know, in some of a dollar cost averaging method. And like you mentioned, you know, everything springboard, it's returned and then some, right? And, and so I think it's a long, it's a long play. Investing is a long journey. It's not something that, that you do overnight, whether it's real estate. Invested in small businesses, invested in the public markets or, or private markets. Even it's it's a long game in, in terms of your investment portfolio, the way you horizon, you know, investment horizon. So anyway, this week we've got James, net worth of one point two million dollars. He works as a realtor and is married to two kids. Prior to being a realtor, he worked as a project manager. James shares a story and really emphasizes the importance of giving away money. Super good episode with him. You know, we've, we've talked about giving with a few of our guests, but it's, it's definitely coming up more and more and, you know, how to be intentional with, with your giving and what to do. And, you know, this, this is a great episode where we get into a little bit more detail with him, um, you know, the importance of that and, and strategies about how to go about doing it. Uh, because it is, it is something that you, you can't just, I guess you could just write a check to organizations here and there, but, you know, if you want, really want to have kind of a, a, you know, an impact and know what that impact is, you, you've got to do it a little bit differently sometimes. Last week we had Bryce and Stacia. Bryce is a nurse anesthetist and Stacia is an RN, net worth of $1.3 million. It's fun to have another couple on the call. Great to talk to them, kind of discuss their childhood and, and journey together and separately on, on, you know, some of the psychology they played into the decisions they make today. So go check that episode out. I wanted to read a review too. We just got, we just got not too long ago. It says the best, this is from Sean SL 2022. So the best podcast ever. I don't know about that, but we'll take it. If you want to be successful in this country, stop complaining and start listening to this podcast. <laughs> Thought that was a, a great review to start <laughs> off 2022, but you know. Yeah, there you go. So I uh, appreciate that from Sean SL 2022. Great review. Uh, without any further delay, let's jump into the episode with James. James, hey, thanks for joining us. Hey, Clark. I'm really excited to be on the show today. Yeah. So give us a little bit. Of, tell us a little bit about you, what you're up to and, and who James is. Yeah, I, mean, I live in uh, San Diego County. Um, I'm currently a, a realtor. Um, I've got a wife of 10 years and, and two little boys. One of them's one and a half. The other one's almost four. Um, so, you know, they keep us on our toes. They keep us tired. But uh, I'm actually only one year into being a realtor. So before that, I was a project manager for several different companies, um, but then decided to uh, jump uh, into the deep end into being self-employed, being a realtor. And I'm loving it. You know, I can say... Uh, I'm enjoying my job and, um, and so yeah, really thankful for that. And, uh, yeah, excited to, uh, yeah, share a little bit about our story today. Yeah, this will be fun. So what's your current net worth? Uh, we're sitting right about 1.2 million right now. And how is that broken up? Uh, it's basically, it's about $140,000 cash. Um, that's just available. We've got about another 140,000 that's in, uh, you know, some different stock investments, uh, primarily, you know, either mutual funds or index primarily funds. Tesla. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> Bitcoin. but, uh, <laughs> not, not quite. Um, we, we missed those boats apparently, 
But uh, yeah, I mean, they're really all in mutual funds and index funds that are just focused on the, uh, you know, a growth or aggressive growth, kind of that long term play. We have a, I have a handful of individual stocks from, you know, back when I thought I could pick good stocks. And when I decided I couldn't do that, then I just went for the, the mutual <laughs> and index funds. So I, I snapped out of that pretty quick, that strategy. Um, so like I said, 100, about 140,000 in, in, you know, the brokerage accounts. And then we've got about 270 that's in our uh, retirement accounts. So 200,000 of that is in Roth, Roth accounts. And then the other 70,000 is in traditional. And all of that is just invested in uh, you know, growth funds. Most of that, or we've shifted our IRA contributions to to Vanguard uh, several years ago. But before that, we had some in American funds. But they're all, you know, the kind of that long term uh, focus, just growth growth funds. Um, and then the big bulk of our you know net worth is really in our primary residence. So our home's worth. Uh, I'm a realtor, so I should know. Um, should be worth about six hundred fifty thousand right now. Of course, I'm a homeowner, so I think it's worth more than that. And uh, you know, and we own it free and clear, so we we paid that off in about five and a half years. And so that's that's the bulk of our uh, of our one point two million net worth. It's it's sitting in our home, which I'm standing in right now. So I mean, you're you're crushing it, man. How did this happen? You're so young. How did it get there so quick? Uh, yeah. So I mean, I would say you know just a couple of things. I would say number one, we're just We've been really blessed. I mean, we are just, you know, we, we come from families that have uh, really taken pride in kind of giving us uh, a great foundation. So we, we both, uh, you know, we went to a private Christian college. That's where we, we started dating and came out of that and got engaged. But like both of our families just saw it as their pride and joy to put us through college. And, um, and, and allow us to not, you know, come out of that with a lot of student, student loans. We also, you know, we both had, you know, no, not super nice cars, but reliable cars that our families had paid for when we were in school. Um, so we got married out of out of college and um, no debt. Um, we had some cars we could rely on with no car payments. And uh, we both had some savings because we had always worked hard and, and saved money. We were both savers uh, growing up. And so that just really gave us a great foundation. And from there, I can just tell you, we've had just tons of, you know, unexpected blessings on the way as we've worked hard. And uh, I think the other big thing is, you know, we've always been focused on giving and, uh, you know, generosity is really important to us. You know, we believe God created us to, to be generous. That's how he designed us. And, and, and we love giving to things that we're passionate about and helping people in need. And, uh, you know, I can't scientifically tell you that, you know, when you give that, you know, you're going to become a millionaire. But I can tell you that as we've given and just tried to live our lives in a generous way, that it seems like good things happen to us as we as we keep working hard and, and keep at it. So, you know, uh, we've ha- definitely had some, you know, not humongous windfall, you know, windfalls of money come along the way, but we've had some unexpected blessings through jobs and through family and things like that, that uh, have definitely helped us. But we've just always focused on, you know, whenever we get, you know, a big chunk of money, we just honestly, we, we pray about it and say, hey, how do we want to use this money? Should we invest it? Should we give some of it away? How, how can we use this in, and, uh, you know, in a mindful, intentional way? And not just, you know, what what feels good in the moment. So we've always, I can't exactly say exactly where that came from, but we've always just uh, really, I, I think, treasured when when resources are in our possession. How can we be, you know, good stewards to kind of use a biblical term, but really, how can we be intentional with with any money that comes comes our way? Yeah, so let's dive into this because you said just from talking before the show here, you you guys have given o- away over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, in our through in our little over ten years of marriage, that's that's what it adds up to. And uh, wow, and, and is that yeah. to your church or different groups or charities or where do you give it to? How do you donate it? Uh, yeah, a, a good chunk of that is to our our local church that that we attend. Um, so we very systematically do that. But in addition to that, there's 
there's other, you know, ministries and missionaries and just nonprofits that we support as well. And, and honestly, some of the money goes to, it's not going to nonprofits. It's just going to, you know, families or people that, that we feel led to help. Um, and so, but the big thing for us is just, you know, it's, it's part of our budget. We, we say we want to be very intentional about that because, you know, we think that the money that is in our bank account, we actually believe it's, it's not actually ours. We're, we're just, um, you know, from our perspective, our, our worldview, it's, it's a gift from God and, and we get to manage it. Um, but we don't own it. And so it makes it a little bit easier to let it go because we don't, you know, we're not holding it with a tight fist. Like, like it's something that, uh, belongs to us. Yeah. Well, amazing. I mean, thanks for sharing, first of all. And I'm pushing you. I don't know if you wanted to share that number, but I, I thought you'd be too humble to share it. So I thought I'd share it for you. <laughs> so, so I mean, that's amazing. I read I was listening to a podcast last night and I think it, some it, the guy quoted some New York Times article. So now I'm quoting a quote, which obviously is going to make things totally wrong. But he said something <laughs> like, if you give away, there's some stat for every hundred bucks you give away, you make another 200 or something. And there's some like scientific link or psychological link that when you give away money, somehow it, it you know, you end up working harder to get it or s- somehow it all evens out and you make more when you give more. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know the science behind it, but I, you know, like I said, I think, I think it's how we were designed. And, and the illustration that has always stuck with me is, you know, if, if you, if you imagine, you know, a hundred dollar bill in your hand, if, if you're holding onto it with a tight fist, it's hard for anybody to put any more money into your hand. But if you're holding it with an open hand and you, you're not worried about it going somewhere else or blessing somebody else with it, now your hand is open and, you know, there, there, you can't even count how much money could fall into your hand when it's open like that. But with a tight fist, you're not going to get any more. Um, so that's the illustration that's just always stuck with me. This episode is sponsored by Ritual. Protein powders can be intimidating, but the fact is we all need protein. It's not just about muscles. Protein helps support bone health and satiety. As we go through life, our protein needs change. Ritual's essential protein is a delicious plant-based protein powder with three distinct formulas designed to meet the body's challenging protein needs. Each of the formulas has 20 grams of pea protein per serving. With Ritual's one-of-a-kind visible supply chain, you know what, how, and why of every labeled ingredient. Great taste. Delicious handcrafted vanilla flavor from a sustainably harvested Madagascar vanilla bean extract. Ready to shake up your protein, Ritual? Millionaires and Veiled listeners get 10% off during their first three months at ritual.com slash millionaire. Ritual even offers a money-back guarantee if you're not 100% in love. Visit ritual.com slash millionaire today for 10% off your first three months. So how do you decide, James, who to help and how much to give? Well, I, I can't say that we've, we've fully figured that out. You know, we have, I would say we've been pretty consistent, actually, like from a percentage standpoint, that at the end of every year, we're usually hovering right about 20% of our you know, gross income is, is what we give away. And like I said, that's not magic. But, you know, we have a certain percentage that we, you know, we give to our local church and we have, we've always tried to have some additional nonprofits that we support. But then beyond that, it's just, it's a conversation between me and my wife every year and throughout the year of what do we want to do with some of the resources that we have? You know, we, we live pretty frugally. So, you know, we usually have surplus and we usually just look at that surplus and say, hey, let's take a chunk of that and let's, let's give it to, to some things that we feel led to that we're passionate about. So. You know, sometimes that just goes to help, you know, with, uh, you know, water filters in a third world country. Um, sometimes, you know, there might be, you know, somebody we know who's doing some good work overseas and we'll give it to their organization. You know, it's just it's an open conversation that my wife and I have and, and we're open to how that might look from from year to year. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, good for you. So let me just shift back to your story a little bit in terms of job. You say you're a broker, but you weren't always a broker, right? You, you said you've just been doing that for the last year or so. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a full-time, you know, real estate agent, um, or yeah, broker as you, as you mentioned. Um, so I worked, you know, for eight or nine years, um, as a, as a project manager. Actually, it's interesting. I'll mention too, you know, when I first got out of college, I graduated in 2009, which was uh, not a great time in, in the U S economy. And it was a hard time to find a job. So I actually, you know, got a math degree and graduated and then uh, very quickly went and worked for minimum wage at a golf course because I couldn't find a full-time job. And uh, fortunately, that didn't last too long. So I, and then I found a job as a project manager and, and kind of worked my way through that and, uh, and did that. But um, I can say that I don't, I don't regret the, the years I spent as a project manager, but I, I will say I didn't love it. But I learned a lot of really valuable skills along the way um, that were kind of foundational for, for my professional development and now helping me as a real estate agent. But uh, yeah, a little bit over a year ago, um, my wife and I just really looked at what I was doing. And, and honestly, I, I wasn't enjoying it very much. I wasn't excited about, you know, the long term prospect of staying in my career path. And we just kind of said, you know, OK, well, what is what does James like to do? You know, and and are, is there anything that he likes to do that that, that could actually support our family <laughs> and, you know, really align with some of the other goals we have for our family with, you know, me being able to be available to be around for my kids um, as they're growing up in their most formational years. And uh, one thing I love to do is golf. And we said, well, James definitely isn't good enough to go at golf to uh, to support our family. <laughs> um, and so that was out pretty quick. But one thing I've always loved is, is real estate. And as a hobby, I've always learned about real estate and investing and track the market. And, and it's just always been something that I liked looking at and thinking about in my free time. And so, you know, I talked to, um, you know, some people I know who were real estate agents and I, and I, and I called them and I said, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. And honestly, I called them and I said, Hey, talk me out of it. Tell me everything you hate about your job as a real estate agent. I, you know, I wanted them to, to give me, you know, the things that would make me not want to do it. And, you know, I talked through that with a couple of people. And um, after, you know, hearing all that, I still felt like, hey, this is something I can do. I think I'd be pretty good at it. I think I can support my family. And I think I'd really like it. And it really fit into a lot of our other goals of having more flexibility of schedule for our family, so I can be home to help with the kids more. So it really just fit. So once we kind of figured that out, then I just went for it, got my license as quick as I could and uh, gave my notice at my, you know, my project manager job. And then, you know, right is actually first day of, of 2020. I was a full time real estate agent for the first time, newly licensed, and I got to work. So, yeah, it's, it's been an interesting adventure for us. So that's pretty gutsy, man, to, to be a project manager and then switch career in your 30s. Yeah. Did it, make, did it make you nervous at all? I mean, I know you had, let's call it a million dollar net worth. Maybe it was a little bit shy of that. So you were okay financially paid off, paid off house, but did it make you nervous at all? Uh, a, a little bit. Um, I would say, you know, for us, it's, it's something that we had talked about for a while. You know, it wasn't like in 2019, I suddenly didn't like my job. I had always, you know, not hated my job, but just didn't feel like it was what I was going to be doing long term. And, uh, you know, like I mentioned, you know, we've got a, a good amount of cash saved up some investments, you know, liquid things that we knew, let's try this for maybe a year. Um, and I always said, worst case scenario, I can go back, I can find another job as a project manager, you know, that was kind of the, the, the backstop. And our expenses are so low, you know, we have a paid off house, uh, we live very frugally. So, you know, looking at the risk, you know, if, if I just, if, if it turned out I was just a terrible real estate agent, didn't make any money looking at that compared to the potential upside of, 
being in a in a job where actually I have a lot more income potential now. And then all the other benefits of, you know, the, just feeling like I was going to love the work I was doing, feeling like I could connect more with people on a personal level as I help them, you know, buy or sell a house, which is a very emotional process for people. Um, just a lot more fulfillment and the family benefits of being able to, you know, make my own hours and be around for my kids who are growing up. And so all those things, you know, just really made us feel like, you know, this is worth the risk. And, you know, we have enough money saved up. And, and what's that money for if, if we're not going to, you know, use it to, you know, make decisions that that we feel like put us more in a position to, uh, you know, achieve the goals that we've set for our me and my wife, you know, for our family. So I assume you're happy with the move or making a switch. Yeah, please don't make me go back um, <laughs> to my old job. No, um, like I said, I, I, I didn't hate it. But I just yeah, I, I, I love my job. It's way more fulfilling. And, uh, and, and honestly, you know, I don't have aspirations, at least in the short term to, to be, you know, the best, you know, the highest grossing real estate agent in the world. To me, I'm just trying to find the balance of, okay, I want to make sure I'm, I'm making enough to support my family. But if I can do that in, you know, 40 hours a week, or even less than that, I, I really want to be able to, you know, focus this time while my kids are young to, to spend more time at home. And I really feel like, being in this position where that's a possibility because our expenses are really low and I don't have to make, you know, $10,000 a month just to pay the bills. Um, it's, it's a great position that, um, that, that we find ourselves in and, and we're really thankful for it. We feel really blessed. Wow. Good for you guys. And, and congrats on growing it so much. So, I mean, your, your net worth is over, is about half your, or excuse me, your, your home equity is about half your net worth, right? Yeah, yeah, it's probably a bigger percentage than uh, probably anybody you've interviewed. <laughs> but now it's paid off, and now your other now, now everything else is going to start growing. Yeah, and that's how that's kind of how we feel. And and you know, there's a lot of debate. You know, I've I've been following personal finance blogs. You know, since maybe 2011, 2012, when I started working. Um, you know, Mr. Money Mustache and um, what's the other one? I think Go Curry Cracker, where they're talking about early retirement, and and I was kind of really wanting that early retirement at one point in my life, mostly because I didn't love my job. But, uh, you know, in the last year now, I feel like I don't, I don't need to retire early because I like what I'm doing. Um, but when it came to our house, you know, we, we were really fortunate. We, we happened to be one year into marriage. We decided, Hey, we're ready to buy a house. We had saved up some money. It was 2011, which was like pretty much the bottom of the real estate market. So, you know, we bought that house for $270,000. It was a dump. We had to renovate the entire thing, but now we love our house because you know we got to renovate it ourselves. And uh, which so just with how much the did you spend on that on the renovation? Um, initially, we spent about thirty five thousand, um, and we did a lot of the work ourselves with the help of family. Definitely with the help of a lot of family that were very handy because I was not yet. Now I'm only marginally handy, but uh, we've learned a lot. Um, and then I would say over the years, you know, we we've, we've done some other projects and probably put another, I don't know, say twenty five thousand dollars in it through various various projects. So, you know, just really market forces, you know, with the appreciation in Southern California have been a big bulk of, you know, that net worth that's built up. But for us, the decision to, you know, pay it off early was really about just freedom. We wanted to build a life where our monthly commitments were really low. And, you know, we actually paid off the house right before my first son was born in, uh, in 2017. And that was, that felt really incredible to, kind of go into this next season of life as parents, just knowing we weren't going to have that burden on us to, to have to pay that. And now, you know, the monthly mortgage wasn't very much, but it gave us an incredible feeling of freedom when we looked at our budget and we said, we're going to go from two incomes to one as my wife, you know, was going to be a stay-at-home mom. 
you know, we felt really good about that decision because we could look at the numbers and we could live off of one income with, with where we were at at that point because, you know, we had gotten rid of the mortgage. So, you know, we really pushed for that. And like I said, it's, it's debated as to whether you should do that. I can tell you as, as a guy with a math degree that, you know, if we had, you know, just put all that extra money in, you know, S&P 500 index fund, we would have a higher net worth right now. No doubt about it. But the emotional benefits and in how it's given us some freedom to make some of the life decisions we've made, um, I definitely don't regret it. Wow. I mean, I'm just thinking back to your house. It's amazing. You said you bought it for 270, right? Yeah, that, that's correct. So 270, you put 30 into it, 35-ish, whatever. You're in about 300. You said another 25 in. So what are you, 325, 330 all in, and now it's worth 650? Yep. What year, when did you buy it? How many years ago? Uh, it was 2011. There's yeah, an investment for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely the best best investment we've made so far. There's, I mean, there's you've no, doubled no in doubt value. about that. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, and especially it, you know, in yeah, it's, it's not because of my uh, incredible you know investor acumen. It was just hey, we got married <laughs> and we got some money. We might as well buy a house now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so let me just share. I mean, a couple things about James here because again, he's too humble, I think, to share. So you mentioned to me before when we were talking that you've never made six figures, right? That's correct. So you're at 1.2 now. And then the other thing is you don't, which we talked about before, you don't really track your net worth. So you just kind of looked at it for, you said you've maybe only looked at it three or four times in your whole life. Yep, that's that's correct, which is interesting because, you know, I read a lot of personal finance blogs where that's where whatever, that's what everybody does. They're tracking it every single month. And, uh, you know, I just, I just never got around to doing it. You know, I, I did, I did think a lot about early retirement at one point, but I never really made the jump to, okay, well, let me figure out what my net worth needs to be so that, you know, 4%, um, I can, you know, retire. I, I never really took it that far. I've just always felt like, you know what, I'm, I'm on a journey. I'm on my own personal journey, my, me and my wife are. And, you know, we believe, you know, with our worldview that, you know, God's got us on a journey and we just want to be good stewards of, of what comes our way. And, and we want to do everything we can to grow that. And I, I shared with you, Clark, that, you know, we've had a number of, you know, blessings that have just come kind of unexpectedly, you know, with uh, some family, some things that we've inherited. Um, and uh, we've just taken every single thing that's come our way and just tried to have open hands and say, okay, well, what should we do with this? And, and we've never said, oh, well, let's, let's just go buy really nice stuff for ourselves. You know, that's just not really our style. We like to, uh, you know, live pretty simply and, and we're very content that way. But we just said, how can we take this money or take this resource and, and just pour it back into things that matter? And for us, that's, you know, we save it, we invest it. But to us, things that matter too are, you know, giving it away to people who actually need it more than we do. Um, so that's, that's a big part of our story. And, you know, I, I, I may have mentioned already, but um, yeah, we're just, we're just, we're very thankful for our families and for a lot of just life things that have happened to us that have really blessed us financially along the way that have really gotten us to where we are. Um, and I even just little things like, you know, we had family members who helped us with the renovations on our home, which saved us thousands, maybe tens of thousands of dollars over the last nine and a half years compared to if we had to hire contractors for that stuff. So there's just tons of blessings along the way, but we're, we just continue to live simply. And, you know, we just, we see it as our responsibility to just be good, good stewards of what comes our way and just try to continue to grow it and to give it. Wow. Wow. Good for you guys. It's amazing. I mean, it's amazing to hear your story. And, and you mentioned the, some of the inheritance, but I just want to make it clear that you really did a lot of this, both of you guys on your own, that it was only about $80,000, right? That you got from that. Yeah, well, there, there's probably a couple other things I didn't mention to you before the call. Um, so yeah, my my dad passed away um, in 2007, which you know 
I would certainly rather have him back than have uh, the $80,000 I got from him, his home sale, but I can't change that. Um, but I'm thankful for, for that, which did help us to finish paying off the house. And, but, you know, also we had, uh, from some grandparents, we had some inheritance that we used, you know, we had about 50,000 that came in that, um, we primarily use that for the renovations to our home. And, uh, so we, yeah, we've had a couple, you know, other things like that. I've had some bonuses through some of my old companies that were unexpected along the way that, um, I guess you can give me credit for that, but I, it was just, uh, unexpected blessings is what I would call them. We're thankful for. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Loan Steady. As regular listeners know, we love companies that can improve your financial well-being. We vet sponsors carefully to make sure that they can deliver a great experience to our listeners. So if you're in the market for a home loan or interested perhaps in refinancing or would like to take cash out for a special project or home improvements, especially before rates potentially rise this year, check out Loan Steady. They have 350 five-star Google reviews. So customers leave happy. They have a special offer for listeners of Millionaires Unveiled. Before April 1, go to www.loansteady.com slash millionaire and apply. And Loan Steady will, leave, will waive all lender fees, including application and processing fees. Important terms and conditions apply. For more licensing, please visit www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is Loan Steady LLC, NMLS number 1701910 equal housing lender. So get a rate today and see how Loan Steady can help you reach your financial goals. Go to www.loansteady.com forward slash millionaire to get your special offer today. So now going forward, about 270 in retirement, 140 out of retirement, 140 in cash, you mentioned along with your house, those are the four big buckets. Where do you go now? Does What's your investing outlook? Is it more in the market? Is it more in real estate? Now that the home's paid off, where do you go? Yeah, and we, I like I, I think I mentioned earlier, I've always been really interested in real estate investing. And even though we have those money in the retirement accounts, actually, our long term goal, or at least my long term goal is, is that hopefully, you know, we'll get to 59 and a half, and we won't need to touch any of those retirement accounts. You know, my, my family kind of instilled in me early on just this idea that real estate's a really great long term investment. And so I've always felt like one way or another, my retirement is going to be in real estate. But we made a very conscious decision um, after we bought our house that we were going to focus on paying off our mortgage before we went and, you know, started picking up investment properties. So that's, that's kind of a decision we made. And, you know, our rationale was, hey, well, let's just make sure crazy things can happen in the market. This was after 2007, 2008 in the real estate market. We knew crazy things could happen. So we said, well, let's just make sure we'll never lose our house so we can have somewhere to live. And then we'll focus on picking up some other investments. But then, you know, we paid off our house in 2017. We started having kids. We went to one income. And then we, we, you know, we didn't feel like we had all this extra income to put towards investment properties. So I feel like we're just now kind of turning the corner where we're thinking about that. So I do see, you know, long term, um, you know, we're, we're entering kind of more of an investing phase of our lives where um, I do see us starting to pick up, you know, some uh, long term buy and hold investment properties, probably not in Southern California for various reasons, probably the biggest one being the cost. It's, it's very expensive here. Um, but we're looking at some other areas of the country where, uh, you know, we can get some good cash flowing rentals. And I think that's going to be our next step from an investment perspective. So how do you just, yeah, good answer. How do you decide, James, how much cash to hold before you buy something versus letting that just keep accumulating until you find a good deal? I guess, you know, the question is the balance between the good deal and holding cash. Yeah, and honestly, we're wrestling with that. So historically, we we've actually 
in my opinion, we've held too much money in cash. Um, you know, we've probably missed out on, on some significant, you know, market gains if we would have moved some of our, our cash into stocks sooner. But the way we look at it, um, or at least the way we're currently looking at it in our, in, you know, the latest conversations between me and my wife is we, you know, we have some of this money that's in, say, stock investments. And, you know, we're just always looking for, you know, what's a good opportunity. And so we, we want to always make sure that we're keeping really, you know, sufficient reserves. Um, so that if something goes really bad with the property, you know, tenant trashes the place, we're not getting income, we have to fix up the place again. We don't ever want to put ourselves in a position where we might lose the property. We, we, we've seen from, you know, other people that as long as you can hold on to it long term, it, it, real estate's usually a pretty good investment. And that's not always true, but usually that's true. So we want to make sure, you know, we invest from a, a very strong position um, of being able to make sure um, conservatively that we can hold on to the property. But, you know, the way we see it, you know, OK, if our investments that are in stocks are doing well, you know, that just gives us a little bit more firepower to be able to go out and try to pick up some good real estate deals. So, you know, we're really we're not in a hurry, but we're looking for good opportunities. So, you know, we're kind of in this phase right now where we're just trying to educate ourselves on different opportunities out there, different areas we might want to invest in that are out of state. And, uh, and now, honestly, trying to get a little bit more of a comfort level with the idea of investing out of state where we're not actually going to be able to drive down the street and go see our investment. Right. Um, so that's right. kind of, you know, just a, like a mental uh, kind of roadblock where we're actually right in the middle of working through and trying to get more comfortable with. Yeah. As the net worth grows for you, are you spending more time doing that versus focusing more on your day job? I would say, uh, you know, we're in the middle of January. I've been spending more time focusing on that because that's kind of a goal we have for this year is to start making some of those moves. But uh, at the end of the day, I also know that um, I need to to continue to focus on my job at as a as a realtor, you know, helping helping people buy and sell homes because, uh, you know, we, we still need to support our family, you know, from a month to month basis. And I know that having some uh, some surplus out of that work um, will continue to make us feel more comfortable with, you know, the investments we're wanting to make. Yeah, yeah. Good answer. Uh, how old were you when you became a millionaire? Do you remember? I think I was 32. Um, so I'm 33 now. Um, but I was just as I was, I think, doing some end of year just tax planning. And that was one of the three or four times in my life that I said, Oh, well, let me let me just throw all these accounts together and see what our net worth is. And I said, oh, wow, look, we became millionaires. And then um, ironically, I think uh, in 2020, um, you know, when the stock market went down, I remember I didn't calculate it, but I remember thinking, huh, I'm probably not a millionaire anymore. <laughs> when, uh, you know, the stock market <laughs> took a little bit of a dive. Yeah, um, no, but, you know, we, we, yeah, we've bounced back since then. So, you know, we're, we're, we're back in that category. Not that it's that important to us, but yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, I was about 32. And then you mentioned budgeting earlier when we were in, in the show here. Do you guys budget monthly or? We, we do. I, we, there was, uh, there's been, there's been 10 days in our marriage that we did not have a budget. And that was the first 10 days we were married. So we got, we got married. Holy on, cow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There, we got married on, uh, the, the 21st of, uh, of November. And uh, we decided our budget's not going to start till December 1st. So when we're on our honeymoon, we're like, hey, we're not on a budget. This is our time to spend. Not, not that we really did. But um, anyways, er, from there, you know, we've always worked together on, on a monthly budget. And uh, the big thing for us has been, you know, wh when we first got married, I was working part time for minimum wage. Um, my wife was a teacher, so we didn't have a ton of income. But honestly, like we from a lifestyle creep perspective, we haven't really changed 
too many things in our in our budget since then. Like our our budget for eating out every month is the same as it was when we got married. And so that's kind of been a big part of our story. You know, we we budget, we're very diligent monthly, but there's people who budget very diligently that also spend a ton of money. And I'm not judging those people because, right. you know, you know, they, they can make those decisions and, and there's trade-offs for for doing that. But for us, we've just always felt like, you know, we're, we're very content with a frugal lifestyle and not spending a ton of money and, and honestly enjoying a lot of things that don't cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So how much do you spend a year? What's your household spending? We spend on expenses about $2,000 a month, just as far as, you know, that's now because the mortgage that, is paid that, off too. I yeah, guess. Th- we don't have a mortgage. So I mean, that, that's, that's property taxes and our expenses. Now, the one thing that doesn't include is uh, our health insurance, which is another $1,000 a month. So you add that in and it's basically $3,000 a month is kind of our our base, our base budget of expenses. Gotcha. Yeah, I was going to say before I asked you that question, you're throwing all of our stats out of whack here because we got somebody on that doesn't check their net worth and budgets religiously. <laughs> right? And that's like yeah. one of our takeaways, Jason. There's been like two key takeaways that we've been really surprised with. And one is that most of the millionaires we've interviewed don't budget. And then two is that most of them don't pay off their home early. So yep. you're kind of your own little breed here. Yep. Well, I'm, I'm happy to break the mold, I guess. <laughs> uh, I'm just teasing you. So as much as you're comfortable sharing, what's been your range of annual household income? Yeah, I'm happy to share. Like I mentioned, um, when I when we first got married and I was out of college, uh, you know, I was working for, I think it was seven seventy five an hour, um, which was minimum wage at the time at a golf course. The nice thing about that job, though, was I did get free golf. So that's that's worth a lot of money. But uh, yeah, so I mean, we, we, we started there, my wife was working uh, as a teacher and probably made, I don't know, about $40,000 a year. So that's where we started. And then as my career progressed, you know, really, I eventually I, I think I got a, I started out making $15 an hour and kind of worked my way up and eventually finished about around $70,000 a year is where I was as a project manager before I made the jump into real estate. So and my wife's income over the years increased until 2017, when she became a stay at home mom. So, you know, there was a time when we were both working where we were making over $100,000 a year combined. But uh, that's really where we've been. You know, I kind of maxed out at 70 to $75,000 a year as a project manager. And I think I could have made more than that. But, you know, honestly, I wasn't willing to make, you know, the time sacrifices that honestly, a lot of people make as they're trying to grow their career, because just family was so important to me and having time at home was so important to me, especially when my first son was born, you know, um, mm-hmm. a, a quick story on that, you know, my, my son was born in 2017. I was still working a job where I commuted about 45 minutes a day each way. And it was very, I very quickly realized that I did not want to be doing that anymore. You know, an hour and a half plus a day of time in the car when I could be at home with my son just was not worth it to me. And, you know, we had just paid off our house, our expenses were very low. And that was a time when, yeah, I just really felt called like this is a season where the money's not that important. I was with a great company. I had a great, great relationship with all the senior management. You know, they saw me on this path of, you know, going up to, you know, higher level management eventually. Um, but I knew that if I went down that path, it was just going to be more and more demands on my time and uh, probably more travel and a number of different things. And I, I knew that wasn't long term the life that I wanted. So I actually at that point, I was a little bit over $70,000 a year. And I actually took a took I changed jobs to another company where the office was a mile from my house, took a pay cut, but it was worth it because I was able to be, come home for lunch and and spend time with my son um, and help my wife and support my wife better. Um, and then it was, you know, I only did that job for about a year and a half before I decided, 
okay, now I'm going to go self-employed as a realtor. But, uh, you know, we've made some very conscious decisions, me and my wife, to just say, you know what, it's not about making the most money. It's about, you know, what, what is what what kind of freedom does that money give you? And, and are you able to use it for the things that uh, that are most important to you in life, which for us is, you know, family, raising our kids and giving, which I mentioned before, being generous with, with what God's given us. Yeah. Did money at all play a, play a piece at all in, in when you had kids? I, you know, I, I don't know if anybody's ever asked me that before. I would say maybe a little bit. So, you know, we got married out of college and like a lot of our friends did. And a lot of them had kids a lot sooner than us. And for whatever reason, we always said, hey, we're, we're on the five-year plan. You know, after five years, you know, we, we think, uh, you know, that's when we'll want to have kids. And there wasn't any magic thing to the five years. It just, it was later. <laughs> you know, we were pushing it off in, in some ways. And we did some very intentional things in that time. We did some travel that we loved and, you know, things that, uh, that, that we're really thankful we did before we had kids. But honestly, I remember very vividly when I, when I started my first job, well, I guess I wasn't a project manager yet. I was a project coordinator. But when I was making $15 an hour, and I remember looking and thinking, man, like, I don't know, like, I always had this goal in my mind that my wife would be able to be a stay-at-home mom if she wanted to be. I wasn't going to force her into that. But, you know, my, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My wife's mom was a stay-at-home mom. So we saw a lot of value in that personally. Um, and I wanted to give her that 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 potential. And I just looked at, I'm making $15 an hour. And I was, you know, I'm a math guy. I was running the numbers and just thinking, I don't know how I'm ever going to make enough to, to make that happen. <laughs> I remember, you know, thinking that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, by the grace of God, you know, I've had a decent career path where eventually, you know, I was making, uh, you know, 50,000 and then 70,000 and, and, uh, and, you know, with the ways we've been able to, you know, reduce our, our expenses, you know, it was a possibility. So it worked out timing wise. But I guess I, I think maybe subconsciously that was part of it that I, I, I always had that goal that she'd be able to be a stay at home mom. And I knew right off the bat that, that wouldn't have made sense. That wouldn't have been feasible. Um, so that might have played a role in, in that decision, even if I wasn't thinking about it, you know, at the top of my head. Yeah. Do you have a financial goal you're trying to get to? Um, as far as net worth, no. What about As, passive income? You no, know, now that I'm starting to think more about, you know, some cash flowing real estate, you know, I, I do, I, I do really like the idea of uh, not having to work, you know, even though I don't see myself retiring early, per se. Um, I really like the idea of, you know, I, I get to work and do what I want to do what I'm excited about. Um, and right now that's I'm excited about being a realtor, I'm excited to get into more real estate investments. So yeah, I mean, I, I would love it if we could get to the point where, you know, we had an investment portfolio that gave us cash flow that covered all of our, our monthly expenses. And and that became our, uh, you know, our retirement. So um, yeah, I, I would say that's, that's maybe a, a little bit far off, far off goal. But right now, you know, the goal is, you know, let's get some cash flowing uh, rental properties and, and, and make sure mm-hmm. that we can do this successfully. Yeah, nice. So just in closing here, James, thanks for a great interview. And thanks for being so open and honest. If you were to give advice to somebody just starting off or couple that with any mistakes that you've made, what would be your last words of advice? My words of advice would be, if I were to boil it down to one word, I, I would say just be intentional with your money. And and really, it's more than money. It's It's be intentional with the resources you have. And, and so, you know, be intentional with your time, with your money, with your relationships, just, just be intentional with it and, and don't spend any of those frivolously. And, and I have to admit that, you know, I, I, we've been really good at budgeting our money. We're not as good at budgeting our time. We're trying to get better at that um, because actually time is a more scarce resource than money. But I would say just, just, just be intentional, be generous towards others, 
and and use money as a tool to you know gain more more freedom and and to help you get to the places you want to be in life. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, James. Really appreciate it. Net worth of one point two million, and you shared with us you've given away around twenty percent of your income each year. So amazing and and obviously very commendable. Thanks for that, and and thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Clark. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.